0: So be it. So be it. We're going to be exploring. Uh, what's the topic we've been looking at for the past few weeks? Oh, that's the book. Uh, but the topic has been freedom. We're, we're looking at freedom. And so today we're looking at the freedom to worship. Now, when I say the word worship, what do you think about? Praising the Lord. Sweet. Anyone else? Huh? Shepherd Anthony. Yeah, for sure. I think about Anthony too. Anyone else? What does worship mean to you? Church? Yeah. Worship can be defined and all those things are correct. And so I just want to kind of put it in one thing. Huh? Lord, absolutely. Worship is not something that takes place in a certain place. Worship is not confined to just church Or your home or your car because worship is not about where you are but it's about who you are with and we worship God who is everywhere and why is worship equated to freedom well it's freeing we worship God when we really know who he is when we know God as he describes himself and have you ever felt that way People think about you one way, but they don't really know who you are. Anyone ever felt that way? Yes. They don't really know you. They think they know you, but they don't really know you. And if they really got to know you, it'd be a little different story. Well, oftentimes that's to us saying, hey, do you really know who I am? And so we could all rise. We'll read God's word together and try to explore that. Exodus 21 through 11. Yeah. And God spoke all. Oh, it is NIV. Yes, and God spoke all these words. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. That's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the Israelites have been set free and they're trekking through the wilderness. But before they were set free, where were they living? And what was their occupation? How long were they slaves for? That means that if you are an Israelite, you and everyone you know, the only thing you have ever known is, and if all you've ever known is slavery, then you don't know what it means to be free. You don't know what that is actually about. And oftentimes, that's our problem. We don't know what it means to be free. For many of us, we think freedom is not having any rules. But what happens when you don't have rules? chaos and do you want to live in a world of chaos maybe for 30 minutes it'd be fun but then it'd get real hard to live in that and so these israelites they have no idea what it means to be free and so god gives them the manual and that is what we call the 10 commandments can we say 10 commandments and these 10 commandments they point to who god is And when they know who God is, they can know what it means to be free. But why is it so important that the Israelites and us know who God is? Because oftentimes we have the wrong impression of God. Sometimes we think of God as a grandpa or like Santa Claus. And what does Santa Claus do for you? Give you presents. What do Harmony and Harabaji do for you? Give you money. And that's what we think God is. He's this being where he just gives us stuff. We don't have to try real hard. We just go and we receive. We just go and we get what we want. They're not bothering us and we can just go away once we have what we want. Could you imagine if Santa Claus came in on Christmas Day and like bothered you? Like, hey, Ethan, I gave you this present. Can you wash my sleigh? Hey, Justin, I gave you this present can you wash my reindeer? Huh? Ian, I gave you some presents. Can you, can you polish Rudolph's nose? Eventually, you be like, dude, Santa, just stop coming over. Like, It's fine. I can buy my own presents. My parents make money. We're fine. But we like Santa because he just gives us something. And sometimes we think that's what God is. But for others of us, we don't think about God as a grandpa. We think about him as a tyrant. Can we say tyrant? Someone who rules over us, who's watching you all the time. That's what I always found disturbing about Santa Claus. He sees you when you're sleeping. And he knows when you're awake. This is not a friendly grandpa. This is a stalker grandpa. And we should all stay away from that type of grandpa. But he's a God who's just always looking at you. Like, oh, what's Natalie doing? Oh, is she making a mistake? Gotta write that down. Gotta write that down. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh wait. Oh Sophia too. Okay, just write that down. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You had a bad thought. I'm gonna write that down. And he's trying to rule over our lives. And maybe you feel as though you're in a relationship where someone's trying to rule over your life. Sometimes we feel like about our parents that they can like always be watching us all the time. And we're like, no, go away. But is that who God is? It's not. Why? Because all of those views of God, they're lame. (laughs) And they are far too tame. They are inadequate. They don't really define who God is. What the Bible tells us about who God is, is that he's a God that captivates. Can we say captivates? What do you think captivates means? Capture. Captures your mind's attention. When something is so amazing, it captures your attention. Like something shiny, radiant, and beautiful. But he also demands. Can we say demands? He demands our attention. And that is because in Exodus 20, he describes himself as a jealous God. Can we say jealous? Jealous God. Now when you think about jealousy, is that a good thing to to have or a bad thing? It sounds like a bad thing. So why does God describe himself as something that is bad? He says, I am a jealous God. But when we look at other stories in the Bible where people are being jealous, do good things happen to them or do terrible things happen to them? Terrible. Cain was jealous over his brother Abel. What did Cain do to Abel? Killed him because he was so jealous that his younger brother had a more pleasing sacrifice. It burned his soul and so he was murderous. He actually killed his own brother. Jealousy, when we look at people who are jealous, is not, it's not a good thing. In fact, if you meet a friend, and they're like, hi, what's your name? And you tell them your name, and you're like, oh, that's cool. I just want to let you know that before we get into this friendship, I'm really jealous. Like, if I see you talking to another human being, I'm going to lose my mind. What would you say? I just don't think this is going to work out, Right? Why? Because jealousy, it eats us up. So I brought a little video for us to watch. I love how everyone's eyes just perked up. Like, "Ah!" video? (laughs) To describe jealousy. Watch yourself. (laughs) Who goes there? Don't (laughs) shoot. It's okay, friends. (laughs) Do you know these life forms? Yes. They're Andy's toys. All right, everyone, you're clear to come up. I am Buzz Lightyear. I come in peace. Oh, I'm so glad you're not a dinosaur. Well, I... thank you. Now, thank you all for your kind welcome. Say, what's that button do? I'll show you. Buzz Lightyear to the rescue. Ooh. Ooh. Hey, Woody's got something like that. His is a pool strike. Only it... only it sounds like a car ran over it. Oh, yeah, but not like this one. This is a quality sound system. Probably all copper wiring, huh? So, uh, where are you from? Singapore? Hong Kong? Well, no. Actually, I, I'm I'm stationed up in the Gamma Quadrant of Sector 4. As a member of the elite universe protection unit of the Space Ranger Corps, I protect the galaxy from the threat of invasion from the evil Emperor Zerg, sworn enemy of the Galactic Alliance. Oh, really? I'm from play school. And I'm from Mattel. Well, I'm not really from Mattel. I'm actually from a smaller company that was purchased in a leveraged buyout. Well, I don't. Really you think they've never seen a new toy before? Well, sure. Look at him. He's got more gadgets on him than a Swiss Army knife. Ah, 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 ah! Please be careful. You don't want to be in the way when my laser goes off. Hey, a laser? How come you don't have a laser, Woody? It's not a laser. It's a, it's a little light bulb that blinks. What's with him? Laser envy. All right, that's enough. Look, we're all very impressed with Andy's new toy. Toy? T-O-Y. Toy. Excuse me, I I think the word you're searching for is Space Ranger. The word I'm searching for, I can't say, because there's preschool toys present. Getting kind of tense, aren't you? All right. So, I know, should we just finish the movie? That's messed up. All right. So, in in this scene, Woody is jealous because of who? And what is he jealous about? Gadget. His gadgets. He's getting all the attention. Everyone's loving him. Woody has a little pull string, but Buzz got nice fancy buttons. You know, I was reminded this morning that this movie came out in 1995. Some of you are like, when was that? Was that like a millennia ago? Did they even have cars back then? There were there were cars back then, but what happens in this movie is that Woody starts to get consumed by his jealousy. Because what jealousy does is it doesn't just destroy you; it destroys everyone else around you. When we are jealous over other people, we start to hate that person because they have things that we don't have. But you know what? You start to hate yourself. You start to hate yourself because you don't have the things or are like the person you are jealous over and in the bible we see that time and time again but the bible also has two can we say two two ways of defining jealousy the first type of jealousy is a is a a feeling that tries to steal life but the other type of jealousy is one that gives life so there's a type of jealousy that takes life from other people but there's a type of jealousy that gives life to other people what do i mean by that well let's look at the first one a jealousy that takes life away there was used to be a man named saul he was the king of israel what number king was he the first i am a ninja that was that was probably the greatest moment of my life I, I have peaked it's all downhill from here for sure all right he was the first king of Israel Saul was like the popular kid in school he had it all he was good looking ruggedly handsome he was called the champion of Israel could you imagine that if some kid walked down your hallway and you're like dude it's the champion of North Gwinnett middle school that's the type of prestige that he had He was a good soldier. He had everything that people wanted. And he was the first king of Israel. But then a shepherd boy named David comes along. This peasant, this commoner. David wasn't as tall or as strong as Saul. But all of a sudden, David started to get some attention. He was a greater champion than Saul. He killed. And the people said, Saul has slain thousands. But David has slain tens of thousands wow middle school you guys are always on point point. and as David grows in popularity Saul grows in jealousy and this jealousy starts to consume him it makes his heart filled with hate and he wants to kill David He wants, and this jealousy is so consuming, it destroys himself. It destroys his relationship with David, his family, and eventually his kingdom. It tears everything apart. This type of jealousy that says me, 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 me is destructive. It will destroy you. But there's a second type of jealousy, and that's godly jealousy. Can we say godly jealousy? Godly jealousy. This godly jealousy is about Serving rather than being served. Godly jealousy is angry, strong, and protective. It does not come because your feelings are hurt, but because you want to protect the relationship that you have. How many of you are older siblings? Wonderful. Josh. Josh is an older sibling. Josh, who's your younger sibling? Chana, Daniel, Josh. If I just started coming, and every Sunday, I would just bully Daniel. Just pick on him. Steal his lunch money. Steal his shoes. Every time he plays basketball, I just poke a hole in the ball. And the airs out. And I push him whenever he's going around. And whenever he's going to the bathroom, I dunk his head in the toilet. How would you start to feel about me? (laughs) This is not a good example. I knew I should have chosen someone else. What would you realize, how would you feel towards me, Josh? You'd be mad. And what the Bible says is you would actually be jealous. Because your love for your brother means that you want to protect him. And when harm comes his way, you're going to feel some things and you're going to do some things. And God says, this is the type of jealousy that I have for you. That I love you so much, I want nothing to ever hurt you. And when you start to love other things, I'm going to get jealous because I know that those other things are going to hurt you. It's like if you have a good friend, and all of a sudden they start making bad friends. What do you feel? You feel bad. You feel jealous. You feel like, hey. I don't think that's a good path for you. I think you're going to get hurt. That's the type of jealousy that God is talking about. When he says, you shall have no other gods before me. He's saying, you will not bow down and worship anything other than me. Why? Why does he say that? Because during this time, there was a God for everything. If you were a farmer, there's the God of the harvest. If you were a fisherman, there's the God of fish, fish. Fish. And the sea, there was the God of everything, of land, of crops, and fertility, of, of sun, of moon, and the whole nine yards. And God's saying, listen, man, I don't want you to treat me like these other gods, because I'm not like them. They don't love you like I do. I want your undivided attention, please. I need to be the singular love of your life. He's saying, I'm not here to entertain you. I'm not your phone. I'm not the hungry little caterpillar. I am God of this universe. If you find me I'm, if you find me boring, that's not the terms of our relationship. I am captivating. I am captivating. You can't just use me when you want to use me. This is an intense relationship. And when you experience that type of jealousy. All of a sudden, that type of jealousy is one that fills your heart with life because you know that the all-powerful creator of the universe loves you. So how do we respond? Well, you respond by committing yourself back to him. Could you imagine on a wedding day? Um, I don't know. Ethan, come with, come here, man. And uh, your leader, Stephen. Paul. Let's say it's their wedding day. We're not promoting this by the way. I just I, I thought it'd be more awkward if there was a girl. And so that this would be easier. And so Ethan and Paulina are getting married. And so and let's say I'm I'm officiating this wedding. I say, Ethan, do you commit yourself to Paulina and only Paulina? Yeah, I do. I do. He says I do. And I go to Paul <laughs> Paulina. Say, Paulina, do you commit yourself to Ethan? Only Ethan, no other people. You're just, just going to love Ethan. And you say, I don't. Oh, well, do you still want to get married? Yes. That'd be strange, wouldn't it? A round of applause for uh, Ethan and Paul. Because if you went to a wedding and heard that, And you heard that Paul, the the bride said, hey, I don't want to commit myself to you, but I still want to get married. What would you tell her? You need to get out. You need to get out right now because that relationship is not healthy for you. If one, if one being is saying, come into a relationship where I'm committing myself completely to you, then it makes sense that the other person completely commits themselves to that. That's why God describes his relationship with his people as to a husband and a bride. Jesus describes the church and the church is made up of believers. He calls the believers what? His? No. His bride. His bride. That's why God describes his relationship to us as a husband and a wife. Why? Because in a marriage, there's supposed to be commitment there's supposed to be exclusive rights there's so, you're supposed to treat your husband like no other dude and you're supposed to treat your wife like no other woman but what happens when one partner starts to love someone else what happens to that marriage it breaks apart and it gets destroyed and families get hurt end of story and so God is saying hey I am committing myself to you. Doesn't it make sense for you to commit yourself to me? You know, there's how many commandments? Six, the last six of the 10 commandments are all about living as a community. It's like, don't murder, don't steal. And we're gonna talk about that next week. But the first four, they're all about how to have a communal relationship with God. How to just be with God and to love him and to love him alone. When he says, you shall have no other gods before me. He's saying, hey, I don't want you to love anything more than you love me. Don't have any idols in your heart. Don't make anything greater. Don't misuse the name of the Lord. That means show your love for me privately when you're by yourself, but also when you're around people in school or at church or at home. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Remember that I, worshiping me, needs to be the number one priority in your life. But oftentimes our response to God isn't that. I don't know if you're like me, but when you first wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you check? Your phone. Your phone. For those of you who don't have a phone, well done. Just in case someone thinks there, well done, Allison. It's wicked smart. When you go to sleep, what's the last thing you check or what's the last thing you think about? What I'm telling you is that's probably your priority in life then. That's probably what you think is the most important thing in the world. Why? Because you wake up and you check it. And you go to sleep and you check it. And so that means you are saying, you know, when I wake up, I want my mind to be fixed upon this. And when I go to sleep, I want my mind to rest in this. And God's saying, well, where am I? Do you have a minute for me? Do you have five minutes for me? Is there any portion of your day that you just have for me? And me alone. Or it's about everything else. And if I happen to fit, you make me fit. And I think when we look at the Ten Commandments, we realize that our priorities are out of whack. And it's really hard to keep all ten. Anyone been keeping all ten commandments their whole life? How many of you feel like, dude, I think I've broken a few commandments this week. Me too. Me too. It's so hard. But you know what? God doesn't just invite us into a relationship. He gives us the power to respond. Can we say power? And this power is found in what we call a covenant. Can we say covenant? Now, what is a covenant? It's a super promise. It's a pact between two people. So let's say I am a king. And Justin gets himself in some real big trouble and his life needs saving, and I save his life, then what we've just done is we've entered into a covenant. We've entered into a covenant where he's saying, Justin, I have saved your life, and I want you to commit yourself to me because I saved your life. And I am going to commit myself to you. We are bound together. Does that make sense so far? For example, let's say you're about to get hit with a car, hit by a car, and I came and saved your life. Would you say thank you? I would imagine so. Some of you might say, Pastor Stephen, thank you so much. Whatever I can do, please let me know. That's essentially what's happening here. And the Ten Commandments aren't commandments as much as they are a covenant. God is saying, I am the Lord your God who has brought you out of slavery. I am the King who has saved you. And because I am giving myself to you, I want you to give yourself to me. But how do we have the power to do that? We have the power to do that because of love. Let me say love. If you guys don't know, I think I've probably shared this before. I, I, I finished this Korean drama, My Love from a Star. Word. For those of you who don't know My Love from a Star, let me just give you the synopsis. There's this alien boy. He comes to the planet and just does alien things. And then there's this girl, but he doesn't look like an alien. He looks like a normal dude. (laughs) He's a handsome alien boy, all right? And (laughs) And then there's this girl. There's this girl that she's like the number one actress in Korea or something like that. She's like super popular. And she falls, I know it was a long time ago, I'm behind on Korean dramas. She falls in love with him. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, that's kind of weird. Because he's an alien. He might be really good looking, but he's still an alien. You know what I mean? Like, would you marry a good looking rhinoceros? Why? Because it's a rhinoceros and you're a human being. And if you're a human being, how are you going to be falling in love with an alien? It doesn't make sense. But she does. Why? In the name of love. In the name of love. In the name of love, we are empowered to do crazy and wild things. But whose love empowers us to commit ourselves to God? It's not ours, but it's his. And how do we know that? We know that because of what God is saying here. He's saying, I am the Lord, your God. I am the Lord, your God. If we were to translate that in modern terms, you know what he's saying? That's literally the creator of the universe coming to you and saying, I am yours. I'm yours. I am the Lord, your God. That's your Parents' God, not your friends' God, not your pastor's God. I am the Lord your God. I am yours. That means I belong to you. I have given myself to you. When you are faithless, I am faithful. When you wander, I pursue. I am the Lord your God. It is my love that is pressed upon your hearts. That because I love you, you can in turn. Love me. He is nonstop. And that type of love is a love of power. It's a love that changes lives. You know, as you guys are in middle school and you've left promised land and you're in youth group, I want you to think about who you think God is. Do you think God is Hadabaji? Santa Claus just gives you nice things. Do you think God is just here to entertain you? That God, if I'm bored of you, I'm bored of you. If I care about you, I care about you. You do it on my terms. Or is God your therapist? He's only there when you need someone to listen. But I would say to you, why do you want Santa Claus? When you can have a God who looks at you and says, I'm the lover of your soul. I love you top down and inside and out. Why would you want a God that just entertains you when you have a God who says, I want to commit to you. Why would you want a God who's just a therapist when he says, I can be, I am the God that gives life. And I am all about you so much so that I have given you everything. Why do we keep settling for a God that just makes us happy? Well, you can have a God who's jealous over you. Who wants nothing but you and you alone. You know, any of your parents work a lot? Yep. That's kind of tough, Right. It's kind of tough when you don't see your parents around too much. You can almost sometimes feel like maybe like you're forgotten about, and sometimes you get used to, it and it's kind of nice. You're like, I just kind of fend for myself and Uber Eats and stuff. But when I was younger, there wasn't Uber Eats. There was just survive or not survive. <laughs> and and there were sometimes where you know parents were working a lot, and so sometimes it just felt like I was forgotten. I was like forgotten? And no one really cares about me. Like, I'm just kind of doing my own thing. But here's God saying, I've never forgotten about you, because I don't go to work. <laughs> I don't have anywhere else to be. I'm the God of the universe and I am here 24-7 all the time for you. I'm always accessible because I'm always loving you. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you because you are a loving God. And I ask that in turn, Lord, that we would be transformed by this love so that we can love you. Not with a part of our time and a part of our hearts, but all of who we are. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.